episode was recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Nation. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. We honour their histories, cultures and traditions of storytelling. Hello and welcome to Plated 3 Food Memories. I'm your host, Savas Savas. Of a century, my catering company Plated has contributed food experiences for some of Australia's most extravagant and intimate soirees. Food connects us. It connects us to people, to places, and to moments in time. These memories shape who we are and what we value. So come and break bread with my guests and I as they share their food memories, revealing far more about themselves than what they've tasted. In 2018, I started following the Instagram account Yaya Next Door. Post after post of shaky video footage from Italian brothers Daniel and Luke Mancuso, accepting plates of food over the fence from their Greek neighbour Yaya Nina. The source of this account, however, is an unthinkable tragedy. In 2013, Yaya Nina raised the alarm that the boy's mother Teresa had been killed. Two years later, their father was charged with her murder. Not only were the brothers deprived of a life with their adoring mother, but the trust between father and sons had been shattered. The pair have now drawn on the strength of their brotherhood to turn their gut-wrenching loss into a social enterprise that encourages people to love thy neighbour as the most powerful anecdote to violence. Together with Yaya Nina, Daniel and Luke have released a cookbook, Yaya Next Door. Their recipes tell the story of two women's incredible acts of kindness while keeping the memory of one eternal. Luke, Daniel, thanks for being with me. No worries, thank you for having us. Thanks, mate. It's, uh, yeah, it's a very exciting time for all of us. From what I've observed, your strength is in your brotherhood. Tell us about your, your relationship. Um, I feel like our relationship has definitely grown um, since mum since mum passed away, and that was probably giving gratitude to mum always honing in on us, making sure that we stick by each other, and even you know being brothers two years apart, we would always butt heads and clash, and you know I'd be the younger annoying brother, and you know Daniel would tell me to nick off and stuff like that. So um, yeah, in the you know, when once mum sadly passed and we began living together in our early 20s, um, we would often still butt heads, but we would be very quick to turn and, and give each other a hug and apologise for any mishaps and, and move forward. So we're definitely a lot closer now, um, but also to, you know, just using everything mum taught us at a younger age just to sort of stick by each other and always have that love. And the good thing too is we are... We have the same friendship group, so you know I'm quite close with Luke's friends. He's close, quite close with my friends. So we have that relationship only two years apart. And the good thing about going to the same school is we've known each other since prep to twelve. So we've known their sisters, their brothers, and so forth. So it, it's been an amazing friendship, uh, brothership, and uh, yeah, hoping that we can continue 
that. Your cookbook has has just been released. Tell us how it came to be and the and the process that you went through to get it to the bookshelves. Um, well, it sort of came to life. We kind of just pretty much um, had it on the forefront for a little while and then, you know, not sort of creating your yarn next door by accident. Um, the cookbook was the thing that made the most sense and any time we'd post a yarn, you know, handing her plates of glory over the fence, we would often get people saying, what's the recipe for the chicken and rice? What's the recipe for the spanakopita? I want to know how to cook this. So we sort of just, yeah, made a, answered the prayers, I guess. And yeah, now through COVID and the pandemic, we, we've compiled a bunch of Yaya's recipes and a bunch of community recipes. And yeah, we couldn't be prouder. What did Yaya make of, the, of being part of a book, being photographed, preparing recipes? To be honest, I think she was uh, expecting to do a lot more, to be honest. At the start, she was very scared, very nervous. Um, and we were too, obviously, never been in this situation to be authors, let alone, uh, uh, I guess, professional, supposedly professional cooks. Um, but, yeah, she thought she'd be doing a lot more. The hardest process, to be honest, was the start when we were just accumulating the recipes, trying to work out how much ingredients, how much salt, how much sugar whatever the case may be to put in in each recipe because you know being logs they don't really kind of measure anything it's all touch and feel did you get were you frustrated oh mate i was just about to say i was there because i fortunately i get yeah monday tuesdays off so every monday tuesday was cooking with yeah for me and i was there with a just a blank a4 notepad with a four pen writing all of her recipes and it'd be it was quite frustrating at the start and obviously you can't really get mad at your yard because she'll put you in the place, but it was like, oh, I just put a little bit of this or put a little bit of that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got to know what you're putting in there. You can't just, it's not a little bit. So I had to go to the shops and actually buy her a measuring cup because she didn't even own one. And then there'd be times where, you know, I'd turn, I'd, you know, put my head to the to the paper and start writing something down and in the corner of my eye, she's tipped something into a into the uh, into the pot. I'm like, what'd you put in? She's like, something. And I'm like, well, I couldn't know what the something is. So it was a very frustrating and uh, fun, a combination of frustrating and fun. Um, but then once we sort of worked out a formality, it kind of we kind of breezed through it and then kind of just enjoyed the whole process of it, watching her cook and Papul sort of throwing his little comments in the background and, you know, giving her a bit of grief if it didn't turn out the way... <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was it was actually one of the most beautiful parts of of the whole process. Looking back on that fateful moment nine years ago to publishing this book, that not only celebrates your yard but the other strong women in your lives. How do you view what you've achieved, and how much more do you want to do to support your beliefs and your cause? Well, to be honest, it's it's all happened really quick and. The whole process of it all, we haven't really sat, been able to sit back and look at our achievements so far. So it's just on to the next task, really, for us. Um, but really would love to be able to sit back and, you know, admire what we've done and what we've achieved because it's pretty amazing to think that, you know, such young men have already created a cookbook and a social enterprise and, and been officiated with other and other brands or been ambassador roles for other big organisations. Um, it's, yeah, it's still crazy to think that, but we're just hoping we can make mum proud and, and do the best we can to be the best man we can be um, and just, you know, promote 
that message across to the not just Australia but to the whole world and you know the world needs to be kind uh, a lot of shit's going on obviously <laughs> and we just want to be that shining light um, and remind people that one act of kindness a day is all you need in people's lives. So the premise of our, our podcast is three food memories. However, you've, you've twisted it for me with your memories. You've given me three strong women um, in your life that you'd like to talk about. So why don't we talk about each very special lady and then give us food memories around them so we get a fuller understanding and a deep love for them. The first one starting with your mum, Teresa. Mum is... Um... There's really no words we can really put um, that will sort of describe mum other than just a devoted and unselfish woman and um, and mother and daughter and friend and she sort of just touched the lives of everyone um, around her and often at times, you know, just, just the small little acts of, of kindness and gesture she would do to us growing up and, you know, always be with us in every single moment when we needed her um, growing up you know, as young men and going through the teenage years and in school and stuff. So, yeah, often, um, you know, just the ones that stick out the most is, you know, waking up in the morning and it's a night, it's a cold winter day in Melbourne and, you know, mum's already got your school socks on the heater. So when you get out of bed, the socks are already there, you pop them on and that sort of warmth, that little gesture of warmth, um, even though it was on our feet, would just warm up our hearts and, and continue just making us feel the love and the nurture that mum was and she still is today. Um, and, yeah, it was just... I, I know a lot of people say that, you know, their mum's the best, but mum was the best and, you know, everyone's mum's the best. But to us, mum was, um, you know, she was our life and she often would say to us that, you know, we were her world and she would always t be so proud of us in every moment and she made us feel like we were unstoppable and we can do anything in this world, um, which, you know, now we're sort of showcasing that we can because we've got her strength um, through the Yarn Next Door community and, and through every other passion project we do throughout our life. So, you know, we all, always give thanks to mum and, um, yeah, we just... I can't stress it enough, can't put, really put into words how much um, how, how much of a beautiful, selfless soul mum was. Yeah, she would definitely, like, take all our friends and treat them like her own, like kind of like you are, in a sense. Um, yeah, if she was to come over, if any friends were to come over, you know, there'll be sure to be another plate there ready for them and potentially most likely uh, lunch for the next day. Um, that's the type of woman she was. She was very selfless, uh, go the extra mile for, for not just her boys but for our friends. And, um, yeah, she's just someone that we really want to aspire to be and, and, and be a, a legacy for her um, and many other women in our lives and for, for other people too. Yeah, her strength was sort of unmatched because, you know, obviously growing up, you know, we saw a lot of um, traumatic things with mum in the household and the fact that she stuck it in, she stuck it through and, until, you know, the final straw um, with our dad and, and she eventually moved out um, just gives the show that the strength and the courage she had and, and the willingness she wanted to do just to be by, by our sides, you know, through the crucial times of our life. And, you know, even when mum did move out, she moved in with, with Nonna, which is actually where me and Daniel live now next to Yaya. 
Um, mum moved into a house with my nonna Nunu and Nunu was quite sick at the time. He had uh, pneumonia and Parkinson's and pretty much went from driving around and being quite active to, you know, have to being showered, uh, fed on the daily and all that sort of stuff. So mum was essentially a full-time carer for our Nunu until he sadly passed um, a couple of years after she moved in. But, yeah, she was just, you know, I, I feel... It's one of those things where I, I've, you know, I wish I could go back and change things, but I know, you know, you should always look forward. But I feel like mum only really started living her life, you know, for herself after the, after the divorce, and then sadly that got cut um, that cut cut short. Um, so yeah, but we know now to this day that she's still very proud and she's, you know, shining above, above us and smiling ear to ear. So, yeah, to mum, again, yeah, just just the most selfless and, and caring woman um, we've ever known. What are some of the foods that she cooked that you can think of that that really remind you of her? Well, there's a, f- a fair few that stand out for myself um, and f- fortunate enough we were, allowed, were able to have one in the cookbook to kind of really showcase that which was one of our both of our favorites um, and one that we learned to cook with her as one of the first meals which was a, a rack of lamb with jam um, and every time we say that everyone's like oh what's that because they haven't really heard of that one before so yeah that's definitely one that really brings a smile to my face um, and it tastes unbelievable um, and we're fortunate enough to cook it over the years um, and always you know when we cook it it's it's one of those dishes that really is a symbolic dish for us because we've learned how to cook that with her um, we, we've had many actually to be honest the last birthday I had while she was still here um, was that dish so for me it's a very important dish um, it means a lot to me and it tastes amazing too. Uh, a few other dishes that I also remember were um, just her, she used to make volivons. I'm not sure if you're familiar with those, but I've never heard of them before until she made them. And then when I had them, I couldn't stop eating them, uh, which was probably bags of full of carbs. Uh, but they were so nice um, and uh, so delicious. And yeah, she was just a whiz in the kitchen. She'd should whip up anything really. She, there was no criteria or, um, you know, following any dish, she'd just put her own spin to it. Um, and that's, yeah, that's the type of woman she was. She just followed her own her own style, her own direction and, and do what was right for her and, and for, her, for her sons. Yeah, paying homage to like the traditional Italian cooking through Nonna and, and you know, her older sister Melina as well too, who's an excellent cook as well. Um, yeah, like Daniel said, mum would put her own twist on, on, on dishes and kind of made that traditional sort of, you know, modern fusion um, just seem seamless. Can I ask you about your school lunchboxes? What were they like? Oh, school lunchboxes for me was a treat, just banger after banger. Like we had, like we were saying before with the fusion, like uh, recess I'd have, you know, an apple, I'd have a little packet of uh, kettle chips, um, LCM bar, then lunchtime would be just the best sandwich you'll ever eat in your life. So it would obviously be salami, just very basic, like salami and um, lettuce with some mayo. Um, and then obviously mum would go the extra mile and buy like a really good roll. Um, I remember often at times, you know, the best sort of rolls I would look forward to was <clears throat> Nonna would make peppers from the garden. 
um, that she's grown and then she'd steam them and then take the skin off and then sort of marinate them with garlic and stuff and we'd have it for dinner and then obviously mop it all up with bread. But mum would take over the leftover peppers, put it in a, in a uh, buttered roll. I think it was a tiger roll. Do you know the ones you have with the bar meats? Yes, yes. She'd put them in those with butter, with the peppers and then wrap them in foil and then, yeah, by the time you open it at, at lunchtime, it was just that combination of just the melted butter with the oil and the peppers. And then, you know, you'd, you'd be eating it and then you get all your mates popping over. you like, oh, what's, what's Luke got? And you're just like, mind your business. <laughs> We're not trading anything today. This is all, this is all me. Um, but I think because we had um, all the chips and sort of the LCM and all this sugary sort of stuff, mum knew that we were quite healthy. Um, cause often at times we would get home from school and it's actually pretty funny. We, we tell this, um, to our girlfriends now cause they always see us eating salads as snacks. So we'd get home from school and, you know, mum would be like, cause we would eat a snack after school and then dinner later on, just in time for the Simpsons, by the way, at six o'clock. Um, but yeah, we'd, we'd come home, mum would be like, what do you want for, what do you want for a snack? And we're like, oh, can we have a salad? And then she's like, okay, oh, this is good. My boys like salad. After a couple of years, she would literally say, I can't keep fucking buying, going to the shop and buying you salads. I'm buying iceberg lettuce, like, two, three times a week. And then, of course, it would just be like, I mean, it would be a salad, but it would pretty much be a soup with all the balsamic vinegar we'd put in. And then yeah. there would be times when mum would tip all the balsamic vinegar in a jar and be like, you've got to reuse this. You can't keep doing this. This is not on. Um, so we were, we were very quite healthy um, in terms of what we would eat. And then those treats... Um, in our lunch boxes, and you know, if we had ice creams and stuff at home, um, we're always there because we were pretty good eaters. Were there any particular dishes that she cooked with you or taught you to to cook? Yeah, she's uh, taught us a few dishes. One, uh, as mentioned earlier, was the rackalama jam. Was definitely one. Um, and then the second we loved, we had this uh, noodle salad. Uh, was another one, um, which was just you know, dried noodles and then she'd put it again in the salad and it's kind of like a really refreshing Asian slaw salad. Uh, To be honest, (laughs) I don't know if this is just because we're slack on our end, but I I didn't really do much cooking with my mum was the type of person like all sort of, uh, you know, Italian and I'm sure Greek uh, grandmothers and mums, they'd just tell you to piss off. (laughs) They're the ones doing the cooking. Like she didn't want us... um, to, to go in the kitchen, she'd be like, no, you sit down, I'm cooking for you boys, you guys enjoy. So in terms of cooking, yeah, we were spoiled. Like I don't really learn how to cook too much with mum, which I kind of look back at now and thinking, oh, that would have been nice to learn how to cook with mum. But it was often at times it was like, no, no, like you sit down, I want to treat you boys. Um, and, yeah, just sort of looking after us um, and make sure we're always well fed. I, I do have another one that I remember. Uh, she used to make this all the time. I used to absolutely love it. Uh, it was just a ch- simple dish. It was a tuna dip. Uh, nothing too crazy. Um, but, yeah, it was just a really beautiful tuna dip, which you have with, with corn chips and so forth. Uh, and another one, and we still to this day say it, uh, that she was the creator of this, so I apologise to the brand out there. But uh, Philadelphia cheese, when she used to buy that um, and then used to coat that with uh, sweet chilli sauce and you'd have that with the dips. So we, we used to have that before it used to be a thing or before they used to sell that in the store. So that was another fan favourite of mine. Really uh, just, again, simple, 
but effective dish um, that I, I really loved and really had a symbolic meaning for me because I, I always remember it. Um, and again, it's a very simple, minimal dish, and that was so, so tasty. Um, but yeah, she's just one of those people that would have inventions for everything. So eating with mum all the time, it was, it was a thing, it was an event. What was the first meal like when she wasn't there anymore? Um, it was pretty strange, to be honest. Yeah, because, because at the time she, she passed away, we were still living with our father, um, which was something we didn't... It was more out of convenience. Like, if it was up to me and Daniel, would be living with mum. So the next sort of family dinner we would have routinely because we would go from the west of Melbourne to um, to the north to see mum and, and Nonna and, and our auntie and uncle and stuff. Um, yeah, just it obviously it just felt 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 a bit off, and it just you know there was that empty seat in the corner where mum used to always sit. Um, that was the closest near the door because she'd always duck out and have a cigarette straight after. Um, so yeah, it was just one of those things where you know it definitely just felt like something was missing. And in terms of what we eat, it's yeah, I probably don't even remember to be honest yes. because it wasn't. We were probably too thinking about everything else in the whole situation. It kind of felt like a bit of a movie at that stage. Um, well, once she moved out, it was, yeah, the meals together weren't as frequent with the, within the household. Obviously, a lot more when we were with our aunties and stuff because that would be a regular family uh, dinner every Sunday night, uh, which has now moved to Tuesdays. So we've kept the tradition alive ever since we were young, going to see our nonna and auntie every Sunday night for a dinner. Um... But yeah, once she moved out, it kind of didn't blossom in that in our household. We would just because we were quite getting to an age where we had our licenses, we we're always in and out of the house, or playing sports. So we'd kind of have meals at different times of the night um, or day. Um, but we'd always, you know, mum would always be the type of person where even if we were, she wasn't at our house or at the house, sorry, with living with us. Uh, she would still provide meals for us uh, to save us cooking or getting home late from a basketball match or a football game or training and so forth. So it was very different, but she'd still go that extra mile to provide a meal for us at least once or twice during that week so we didn't have to do that. Yeah, it's actually, I just remembered now, um, you know, when mum and dad separated because uh, our d- dad was a full-time electrician, so often he'd be out, you know, nine to four, nine to five or whatever throughout the whole day. Mum would drive down to our to our old house in in Taylor's Lakes, and you know we would open up the house for her, and she'd clean our rooms and make food in the kitchen and leave it there and clean it as if she wasn't even there, and then put the food aside for us um, to make sure our father didn't see it because she still wanted us to be fed and looked after and still feel like she had that presence in our life um so yeah the type you're like yeah again she just would go that extra mile even though you know as sad as it is she was very frightened of our father and and she knew that going into that into that home and there was a chance she would see it she took that risk because she wanted to be there for us um at all costs um and it's something I actually haven't even thought about until now um funny enough um yeah the risks the risks she would take just to make sure that we felt like she was still present in our life um, after the divorce. Do you... St- oh. 
I mean, mothers are going. Mothers are going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Mothers are always going to take. Parents are always going to take that risk for their children because that's just what we do. Yeah. Um. Do you feel now that she's not here? Do you still feel her presence in your lives now? Oh, one thousand percent. I feel like she's with us twenty four seven. To be honest, and she won't ever go away. Uh, that's the type. Of, yeah. She she just wanted always to be there for us. Um, you know, she'd call us a thousand times a day at some point and, you know, we'd get upset to the point where you're like, Mum, come on, like, we're, we're old enough, boys, we're okay. If we ever, you know, we're in danger or anything, we'd be definitely call you first. But, yeah, we just we just continue. So, I'd give everything just to have another phone call yeah. with Mum and often at times, um, you know, even though her mobile number's still, you know, obviously it's, you know, not active anymore, but I find at times sometimes I'll just call the number um, just hoping that she might answer. Because yeah, um, oh, we do have her number, you know, embedded into our brains. And I, I kind of found the best sort of way to move forward and, and you know, break through the trauma and also to feel like mum is still here. Because obviously you go through, you know, um, you know, big events in your life where you're like, you know, if you get married, you have kids or anything where you want, you know, you wish your mum was there to experience it with you. But I often just think that, you know, just living lives, a happy life um, for me and Daniel is our mum's legacy. And, you know, I, I, we've recently, we've both got girlfriends and, um, you know, been dating now for, for just under two years or a year, a year each. And there'd be often be times where I'd be like, oh, Maya, I wish, I wish you got the chance to meet my mum. But it's up to me to show Maya how, how beautiful and how, Amazing mum was through my actions and through being kind and, and being, you know, uh, very thoughtful. So, you know, if if I can do those things that mum taught us and mum would, you know, be the role model and, and you know, the, the person in our lives that would show us all these things, then mum's living forever because then people can look at us and be like, oh, Luke's, you know, Luke's a great kid or, you know, he's... he's very well-mannered or is um, very caring and kind, that's mum. So if I can sort of portray these things that mum taught us, then her legacy lives on through us. And then, you know, that's something we can keep striving for and and, and just hope that, you know, people can sort of get a better understanding of, of the type of strong and, and selfless woman she was through our own through our own lives. I think from your stories and descriptions of her we can see all the beautiful work that she's done and how strong and, and, and resilient you both are. I mean, you're absolute marvels. Oh, it's, all, it's all credit to her, to be honest. Um, like Luke was saying just before, sorry. Um, you know, she'd, she would hate us to be upset and down and depressed, that, you know, she'd want us to be positive, happy, because she lived her life through us. And that's what we're essentially trying to do, turning a negative into a positive um, and then utilising that and helping other families, other mums, other, you know, sons, daughters, kids uh, to get through what we went through. Because they might not have that. Yeah. That's the thing, and you we're, know. We're, we're, yeah, fortunate that we had mum, so people might not have that. So if we can be an inspiration like mum was to us to other people, then, then that's just... That in itself is 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 a beautiful thing, and we're just lucky, yeah, that she surrounded us with really beautiful people, and you know, it's a credit to her and, and showcasing the type of person she was and she wanted to be surrounded by. So it, we've 
we're just lucky that we have great support network around us that's that's guided us through this uh, difficult challenge in life. Let's move on to the second woman in your life that supplies you with the love and support and 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 who is the hero of this story, Yaya Nina. Tell us about her. Well, Yaya is everything to us. She's um, she's not only seen us grow into men, she's, um, she's seen my mum grow as a young child and all of her brothers and sisters as well too. Um, and, yeah, Yaya to us is just a real backbone of, of what we're sort of trying to do here with, with the social enterprise and with everything we do on Instagram and all the other platforms. So, yeah, she's, I mean, not all Yaya's wear capes, but I reckon Yaya should because, yeah, she's she's Wonder Woman to us. And, um, you know, it's the little things like the advice we get from her and um, the way she goes through life in, a, in such a playful and happy manner and her generosity as we said, they're all things that we can take on and, and try and, you know, acknowledge it and see what she's doing and try and give it back out um, because if she can help us go through this, um, then like we said before, we can we feel invincible and we can get through anything and hopefully that inspires people to do the same. In the notes that you shared with me, you say that Yaya was the person who raised the alarm on that tragic day. Yeah. How does... How does she, what does she feel? What does she feel about that moment? And, and does she use her cooking to heal and make good? We're very fortunate that, um, you know, obviously, like I said, Yaya saw mum grow up and our family's always been quite close, living next door, um, being in, living next to each other for, you know, 30, 40 plus years. Um, you know, Yaya was, was, the alarm sounded that night, and she did have um, she did have a telephone ready, and she called my auntie who lived five minutes down the road. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, she heard mum calling out for help to Yaya, and Yaya contacted our auntie, and then um, the auntie sent our uncle, and then he went over there and investigated to to obviously, unfortunately, find find mum. Um, so, and. Not many people know it, but, you know, you had to get up in court and, and talk about all this and, you know, face face our father as well too, which, you know, is obviously a very hard thing and she's got to take into account that she's got her own family to protect as well too because, you know, she doesn't know what backlash could come from it and whatnot. So, yeah, if it wasn't for Yaa, we probably wouldn't have the, the closure that we have today. Um, so we're always, you know got our hand on her heart and, and thank you Yaa for everything she's done and I think with the food and, and trying to heal us, you know, over the fence um, with her cooking, I think that's just doing what mum would do um, extra and, you know, she was just showcasing all the things that, um, you know, she taught to mum and, and, you know, trying to heal us and comfort us through the cooking and I feel like that's probably, in her world, the least that she could do for us. So we're very, very um, grateful for Yar and, yeah, it's we'll do anything for, for that woman and go the extra mile. She's like our second, yeah, mum slash nonna, um, hence why we call her Yaya. She actually gets really upset if we call her Nina um, because she's like, what are you doing? I'm your Yaya. Don't call me Nina. Um, <laughs> and she always refers to us as her 
grandsons. So she's she says she's like, I've got three grandsons as opposed to really one because um, she's obviously got the one uh, grandson at the moment. Um, but yeah, we just see each other as one big family um, and we do anything and anything for each other. And obviously this unfortunate event has made us really closer. Um, it's not to say we weren't close before then, but it's definitely brought us a lot uh, closer. And, you know, we, we the good thing about it, turning a negative into a positive is, you know, we get to, to go over there and share meals with each other. We go and share Greek Easter with them nearly every year now. Mm. Um, so we've obviously got half Greek in us. Um, There's a thing I say about Italians and Greeks. We educated the world. You guys made it beautiful. <laughs> so, so, so when you bring the two cultures together, you just get a, a wonderful stage of we play. We go hand in hand. Um, in hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hand in hand. You do this really beautiful thing for Yaya. You protect her identity. Yeah. So when we never see her face. She's either got an emoji or the back of her head, and she could be a number of Greek <clears> women <throat> that I know. Is that because... Well, why do you do that? We did that as a, a purpose, like, one, obviously, to respect her identity and family's identity out of privacy. Um, but we also wanted to showcase that anyone, female, male, um, can be this person. Um, you just essentially got to get to know your neighbour um, and have that, establish that connection and relationship with them. And, you know, food is a great way to bring people together. And we, we, we really want to just try and encourage for people to get to know their neighbour because you don't know what could potentially happen um, in a crisis or any any circumstance uh, for that matter. So, you know, she, she is a bit of a symbolic woman, not just for us, but for, for, for everyone in, in the world. And we hope that everyone can look up to her and, and be a part of that. Yeah, Yaa's identity is, uh, that's, that's a secret upon her request. So that's always been from the start. Once it's sort of blown up, she goes, not my face, not my face. And we're like, that's all right, yeah. Like, if you don't want to show your beautiful face, that's fine. But, yeah, as Daniel sort of noted, um, it, it, sh- it puts really uh, – it, it just really shows that anyone can be a yeah next door. You don't, have to, you don't have to be, you know, 75 with cotton socks, you know, to be, to be that figure. You can be yeah in many forms. And it's really just uh, making that first – stride and that first interactions with your neighbour and it doesn't even have to be your neighbour, it could be the person down the street, you know, you're walking past, say hello, how are you, or the or the man at the local bread shop as well too. Um, so yeah, just I think it, it's turned it's turned our message even stronger that she's uh, hidden her identity. What does she think of all of this? <laughs> she just to be honest, she doesn't say what the fuss is all about. She's just cooking some meals for her two grandsons um, and doesn't see yeah, what, what the fuss is all about. She is getting a bit of stardom to her head, though, now that the cookbook and so forth is all coming into into play. Um, but, yeah, she just doesn't see what, literally what all the fuss is about. And, you know, she's like, why am, I fa- why am I getting so much love for just cooking for you two boys? Like, I'm just cooking extra meals from, from what I make for myself. So yeah. it's the type of person she is. Um, it's pretty funny. She uh, yeah, often at times. Um, I remember she was telling me the other day she because we had we had tote bags made a couple of years ago, and um, you know she brings proudly brings her tote bag to the Preston Market, you know, and she's got a tote bag and she's strutting around and getting all the goodies. <laughs> and 
she reckons that someone came up to her and was like, oh, yeah, next door, you, yeah. She's like, oh, no, 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 just that's, that's I just bought the bag. <laughs> and she kind of plays on it. I think she likes that no one knows, kind of like how Daft Punk wear the helmets and they can just sort of live their life. But um, she's, she gets looked after, like we're fortunate enough to send her to Greece um, to visit her to visit her sister before she actually sadly passed away. Um, so she's got a lot of perks and it's good to see other people looking out for her um, through our pages or through and be like, okay, what can we do to make ER's life a little bit easier? We even had uh, ENS drop off a fridge to her as well too So because she, she had this old fridge which, you know, retrospect looks cool but didn't really do the job. It wasn't, it was, yeah, I, that thing was carrying a lot of weight I was like, yeah, you need a new fridge. This this is like, you know, you can't be stacking things on top of each other. So, yeah, she gets very looked after in that regard. But still, you know, like we said, she gets to strut around Preston Market and not have a hassle in the world. <laughs> I get a feeling she's quite a feisty character. Oh, she's, uh, she's, a, <laughs> she's a very funny character. Yeah, she is. She, well, that's, I mean, that's what, you, that's what all you guys are. They're brutally honest and mums as well too, like, I, of, often at times I always think, you know, all grandmothers, yars, uh, nonnas, doesn't doesn't matter. They always say, oh, you're too skinny, you're too skinny, you got to eat more. But yars' daughter actually um, cops it because every time she eats, yars, uh, yar will be like to your daughter, oh, you're too fat, you eat too much. And it's like she, she goes both <laughs> ways, like she's just brutally honest. Well, like, she'll say to me, I'm just right, because she thinks, like, I'm like I'm trying to have a diet and then she'll she'll whip out some donuts. I'm like, yeah, I'm on a diet. I just started, like, last week. She's like, don't worry, you're just right. You're, you're just, just right. right. You don't need to lose any more weight. And then she'll be like, no, nah, Luke, though, he's too skinny. you gotta, you got to eat more. And I'm like, I eat heaps. I eat he eats more than me, to be honest. So. But yeah. the funny thing is, like, this, it's the same with our nonna. Um, you know, she'd say the same thing. You're too too skinny. Or you're just right. So it's 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 the classic old yaya nonna treatment that you'll receive. <laughs> Her cooking is quite intricate, though. When I when I look, I remember being overseas and looking at some of the things that she would pass over the fence. You know, there'd be the braised chicken with the rice. It'd be cooked two or three ways, and then there would be the vipples, the pastries that she would make, mm. and then fry them and send them over, and then the donuts that you speak of. So she's a very good cook. She's She's got a oh, very yeah. large repertoire, and she knows how to work with ingredients. Yeah, yeah she's she's uh, the best way to... She loves to say, I'm a village cooker, because she's obviously grown up in the village, and she's really tr- traditional in the way she cooks. Um, but, yeah, she's, she sticks true to how she... What well, she's comfortable in cooking. Sometimes she ventures off and has her own twist to it. Um, but most of the time they're all really traditional, beautiful, home-cooked village meals. She's a very humble chef as well too. Like, she'll never say... She always... Every time she gives us food over the fence, even from the first video or now, she gives us the food over the fence. If you don't like it, give it to Marlo. Marlo's our dog. Like, well, I'm going to give this to Marlo for... <laughs> She'd be like, oh, I'm like, what'd you make? She's like, something. I'm like, what's something? And you get it and it's just like this beautiful spanakopita or chicken and rice or, you know, just like like the donuts you, you mentioned as well too. Just like, you're just like, how do you... And she even makes homemade bread and she's like, oh, it's nothing. Like, it's just, I made it in my sleep sort of thing. So she's very humble, um, humble in the kitchen and, and also too when she gives it out as well too. It's, it's always just, ah, it's, she downplays it. Maybe it works to advantage, she downplays everything, so then your expectation is low. But 
I think that's the wrong approach. You should set the bar a bit higher because everything is amazing. Yeah, going off the Luke's bread comment, um, I know growing up, I remember my aunties used to always say, Yaya makes the best bread. So, like, because you get it, it's still hot. You can, you literally get it and all the steam's coming off and she has to wrap a, a tea towel around it because it's still that hot. Um, they yeah. need to make a cologne from Yaya's bread. It smells yeah, like, as soon as I grab it, I take the, the, uh, the, tea towel off and it's just you just smell it and just like oh my god this is i'm not hungry but i gotta i gotta you know slap some butter onto this and just and just uh chow into it and it was funny too that during the cookbook uh process for the photo shoot you know she was teaching like she was for the most of the time she was a a hand model or a model uh, to kind of showcase the meals. But then, you know, when it came to the really tricky stuff, she would really have to showcase how she would, you know, make certain desserts or certain breads and flours and so forth to really, you know, uh, crisscross them in for like the Easter biscuits and so forth. So we got some really good footage and ex and experience from not just her, but the whole cooking chefs uh, part of that to show how she would go about that. And it was really intriguing to see them really taking notes, even though they're the professional chefs. This is this year, yeah, just showing them how to. Yeah, they were hovering, cook. hovering over a shoulder, being like, "Oh, that's how you do that. Oh, okay, okay." So, yeah, it's like I said, she does it effortlessly. Let's move on to your last uh, memory and another icon, Nonna Rosa. Yeah. Tell us about her. Yeah. So, Nonna Rosa is. Um, the strongest woman I know by far. Definitely. Um, you know, seeing, caring and, and you know, moving to, to Italy, uh, moving from Italy, from Calabria to, to Australia um, with Nunu and, and starting a family here with, with next to nothing and, and going through all that. And then obviously, you know, raising, raising four children and, you know, just being a devoted mother and, and um, grandmother as well too growing up and... Um, yeah, looking after Nunu um, when he got quite sick and then, you know, obviously no mum wants to bury their child, um, you know, and that for Nonna was, you know, I just thought that would break her apart and uh, uh, to a degree it has, but she's still, you know, very strong and she's actually turning 90 this year um, and she's still going strong. She's just an inspiration, like the type of strength that woman um, empowers, you know, everyone around her and... You can feel it just by just her warmth, you know, in her hands. And, you know, my favourite times with her is, you know, going there and she doesn't cook too much now because she's getting quite old, um, sadly. But, um, you know, after we eat, we'll sit on the couch with Nonna and it's funny our girlfriends will laugh because we're not sitting next to our girlfriends. We're sitting in between. Nonna's in the middle of both of us and we've both got our head on her laps and she's stroking our hair and... And, um, you know, just making us feel the love. So she just loves it when we, we just come over and have dinner. You know, it's the simple things for her just to see her, her family um, that she really loves and wants us to just try and see her as much as possible. Um, and, yeah, she's, like Luke was saying, a very strong woman that, you know, I hope one day if I ever have a daughter that she'd be like her and mum and Yaya all infused into one. So, yeah. And just, you know, obviously speaking about mum before, um, Nonna was, was, was my mum's mum. Um, so everything that she's instilled into mum, she's really passed the torch, you know, into mum and then, and now to us. Um, so, 
yeah, Nonna is is a, a living legend, and we're very grateful and will forever be in debt to her and and the woman she is. Tell us some of the dishes that you remember of hers. Uh, there's a fair few. What the traditional ones of obviously you know making the the pizzas and obviously making the pizza dough from scratch. So there was quite a lengthy process. The kitchen was quite dirty. There was multiple different stations, multiple yeah. big trays. Um, All in the garage too. Yeah, in she the was garage. smart. She'd make it in the garage so it wouldn't stink out the house if she was making fish or, or the pizza dough as well too. She could be quite messy um, with all the, with all the process of that. But yeah, the uh, yeah the pizzas are obviously just like you know the one the one that sticks out the most because you know it was always on big events and then Christmas she'd make lasagna which was, there's nothing like Nonna's lasagna, obviously. And even if it was, you can't really say that, to be honest, because <laughs> you don't want to get a backhand. And then, yeah, like, all the best thing about it too, all the f- produce was fresh because it it come from her garden. So yeah. everything tasted that extra little bit better, or not a little bit, a lot better than buying produce from the market or from the, uh, the shops. Um, but, yeah, everything was made with a lot of love um, and with the family because it was like a you know you'd do it all together uh as your little bonding session so you like i said make the pizzas we'd make salamis do the sauces which we haven't done for quite some time mark was actually doing it on the weekend um but yeah last year we remember making the salamis with her and i just in my auntie's garage and she was just i think she just took a moment to really take it all in because it was because of COVID, we haven't been able to do the, these traditional uh, things. Um, so it was really good that we were, last year we were able to do it with her and and hopefully we still will be able to do it for many more years to come with her because it's one of those traditions that we'd like to keep going on with the family. And for, for my kids, when I have them, I'd love to keep that tradition alive. Um, so there, that was one. And then another one that I really were fond of was the... We call them pepe patates, so just peppers with uh, peppers. Uh, sorry, peppers and potatoes uh, with just garlic, um, and it was just something that was so delicious and something I really look forward to. Yeah, just oh, it was and covered that, in a mountain of oil, so you just get yeah. the bread and just mop it all up. You know, the best bits are uh, even growing up. It was just like, you know, you now you have your first serving. Just say if you have lasagna, and the next serve, and you get a new plate. For us, it was like, no, just throw it in the same plate. And at the end, you could just get the bread and just mop it all up. There was a meat dish that was just in a suku with sauce and eggs. Um, and that's another dish that was very simple. But again, mopping it off with the bread. Just something that I remember as a little kid growing up, I used to always have that. Um, and she was actually the first lady for me to introduce uh, sardines. So I'm a big fan of sardines thanks to thanks to her because she'd, she'd make them her own way. And I used to love her. Her vinegar she used to put on it, um, used to actually drink the vinegar straight. That's how much I loved it. Everything is just amazing. She could touch anything and it just turned into gold. Um, but, yeah, I think with me as well too, um, you know, when she was cooking quite regularly, um, we would go down to the beach house down in Rye. Um, that's within the family. So we'd go down there every summer. And I remember one year we were at the beach and... Um, we would go through the sand and in Rosebud and Rye Beach and get all the pippies, the little mussels, and we'd collect them and bring them home. And then my mum, um, both my aunties, would make a massive seafood pippi uh, pasta with nonna. And, you know, it was just, 
there's nothing better. Oh, my favorite thing is there's nothing better than eating after the beach or after swimming. The appetite is just right there, and and then to to eat you know homemade pasta with with pippies and and garlic and stuff like that with parsley and chili and there's nothing quite like it. What stands out to me for both of you, you're very proud of your heritage and where you've come from. Where will you go next when you have children of your own and when you become parents? What will you teach them? It's a scary thought, to be honest. <laughs> but um, uh, to be honest, I just want them... I just want to do what, exactly what my mum and Nonna taught me and obviously my family um, is simply just be happy Life's unfortunately too short um, and, you know, we just got to cherish the moments every day with, with each other and, yeah, don't let the little things bug you because there's worse situations out in the world and, yeah, just treat everyone how you want to be treated is the best way I'd want to treat, uh, give advice to my kids and just to enjoy life. Yeah, I think I'll definitely try and instill a lot of the traditions still um, especially the salami because it's something we've been uh, passionate about the last couple of years. We actually made our first one just myself and Daniel last year. How was it? It actually turned out good unless a lot of people are lying to us. But, I mean, that would be, I don't know, 30 people lying to us all at the same time. Um, but, yeah, it came out good. And, um, yeah, it was re- really, really good. And the process of it all with non was all there too, watching over us, just making sure we did everything okay um, but, see, yeah, so I think those sort of traditions, if I have kids, um, just really tell them the, the type of woman and, and um, the type of warmth and love that their grandmother, um, you know, would would give them. And even though that she's not here and they'll never get to meet her, um, like I said before, they'll they'll know her through through the actions and, and um, lessons that I teach them. You know, hopefully they can look back at Yia next door and, and realise that, that whole thing is is mum's legacy. Um, you know, it, as hard as it is, um, you know, we've got all the we've got all the uh, the right morals and and uh, things from mum, um, and then from our father's side, I just look at him and 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 thank him in regards of show me of everything I don't want to be. You know, so making sure that I'm, you know, taking the good and the bad and learning from both because. Um, you know, I think I think you've got to always look at that as well too and, and, and know that, you know, I know how to be good but also too these are the things you should never ever do and, and, and let the kids know that, you know, this is not on because I think that there's a lot of power in that as well too, obviously with, you know, uh, gender equality as well too. So, you know, it's good to praise all the mums as well too but also too there are a lot of good fathers out there you know, show them the things not to do and not to be like and be like, okay, this is not on. It's time to talk about your social cause. Tell us about it and and how we can support it. Yeah, so yeah, next we're a social enterprise um, that obviously would love to. We just really encourage people to to promote kindness and raise awareness in the domestic violence space. Yeah, um, and we always want to just officiate with like-minded organisations and people where we could achieve the same goal and and raise awareness um, and, you know, help people that are going through difficult times and hardships um, and really be an advocate for, you know, the community and for neighbours 
um, and yeah, we just want to every you know everything we do is is given back into the community. Um, so everything we do, you know, we're donating a percentage of those funds back into like the likes of Australian Childhood Foundation. Um, we also work with Carlton Football Club with their Carlton Respects program. So. You know, unfortunately, we were supposed to go into the schools um, and talk to the kids, which we were really proud and excited about. But obviously, with COVID, it's kind of been a backpedal um, and put it on hold. But, you know, we've still done what we can in the process and hoping that this year we can actually go into the schools and, and talk about our story and educate the kids because we really think it's it's really important to target the young kids so that they can actually understand what's wrong from right because, you know, growing up, we didn't know... We just thought our parents were fighting and it was normal. Um, so we really wanted to be an advocate for that um, and just be, you know, a positive space in the domestic violence area because, you know, there's a lot of organisations out there, you know, just talking about statistics and so forth, which is all great and important. But we want to try and be a bit more creative, innovative and target the younger demographic. And we're hoping that we can do that through the power of obviously social media um, to really raise that and to really be an advocate in that younger demographic. Just just to finish, yeah. you've been very generous sharing your lives with us. Your story is about resilience, love and the strength of the human spirit, but above all, the legacy of your mother and the kindness of Yaya. How do you separate the love from the pain, the devastation and tragedy and keep moving forward? Um. It's something you kind of learn through the trauma, which I found, um, which I learned that trauma is something that doesn't come on straight away. It can happen years later down the track. Um, I think as cliche as it sounds, turning the pain into power um, and you've got to kind of work out what your power is. And for us, we learned our power is being kind and... Um, being generous and promoting positive vibes, which is all the things that mum mum was an advocate for. So I think our power and our strength is exactly that. So what we're trying to do now is, like we said before, uh, using our platforms and stuff and, and just our day-to-day lives to be the best men we can be. Daniel, Luke, thank you so much for today. Thank you. Thanks, Heather. Appreciate it and, um, yeah, very uh, very nervous and excited about today as well too. Obviously, it's our first podcast, but we've had a lot of fun and, and yeah, we thank you for having us on. Thanks for listening to this episode of Plated Three Food Memories. We'd be forever grateful if you could tell your friends about us, write a review and share the love. In the next episode of Plated, I chat with the indomitable and adorable Jessie Ware. Plated Three Food Memories is created in partnership with World Stories, produced and edited by Lauren McWhirter, and original score by Russell Torrance. 